tonight, Lord, help us to be able to uh, not only hear what's being said, Lord, but that all of us, starting from me, that we all uh, just learn from it, Lord, but apply it to our lives that we might become uh, better Christians, better people, Lord, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Well, we're there in Matthew chapter number 26, like we talked about uh, already this morning and tonight. Tonight, we are starting a series, and I don't know how long it's going to be, maybe four weeks, maybe six weeks, maybe eight weeks, we'll see how it goes. But tonight, we're starting a a series on the subject of character, Uh, lessons on character. And you know... By way of introduction, I, I, I want to... Tonight's going to be a very introductory type sermon, okay? I don't want to be very long, and I want to be able to just teach you a few things and, and, and kind of introduce you to the subject of character. But I want to—I I want you to think of a few things, okay? And I want you to understand. And, and, and the, the passage that we saw here in, in chapter 26 of Matthew, there's so much that could be preached, but there's one section I want to focus in on, and we're going to get to it in a minute. But I want you to understand, ask yourself this question. Why are some people more successful than others. And please understand, when I say the word success, I'm not meaning money. Although money could definitely play a part in that. But I'm talking about why are some people better parents than others? Why are some people better husbands than others? Why are some people better wives, better mothers, better fathers, better employees, better bosses? Why are some people more successful in certain areas of life than others? Ask yourself this question. What does success look like for you? If, if, if you could, you know, just have your, if you could be successful in every area of your life, what would that look like? What would it be like? I mean, in your finances, you know, just, it, it's easy to think about finances, success is finance. But, you know, if, if your finances were everything you wanted it to be, what would that look like? I mean, how much money would you have in the bank? Honestly, how much money would you earn in a year? How much money would you give to the offering? <laughs> you know, if you were successful in every, in, in finances. You know, if it was your fitness. If it was your health, how much would you weigh? How would you feel? How much energy would you have? Just ask yourself, if if, if you were successful in your relationships, what would that look like? What would your marriage look like? What would your relationship with your kids look like? Or your friendships? Uh, Spiritually, if you were successful in every area in your spiritual life, what would that look like? If you were successful in your spiritual life, how many times would you read the Bible during a year? How much time would you spend in prayer? How would your witnessing look like? I mean, just think of it in every area of your life. Think about it as far as your intelligence. That's not something we talk about a lot. But if you, you know, what skills would you have? What things would you learn? What, what, what would you be able to accomplish? And, and, and I'm asking you these questions because you need to understand this. The key to accomplishing anything in your life that you want to accomplish, that is a goal that God would be happy with and proud of, that key comes down to one word, and it's character. And at the same time, you need to understand this, that every failure that you have in life can be taken back to, to one concept, and that is the lack of character. Now, you may be asking yourself, you know, what is character? And I said this, tonight's going to be a very introductory type sermon. But you need to understand this, okay? I want to answer this question. I, I want to answer two questions. Just as we introduce the, the series on character and the subject of character, I want to answer two questions tonight. What is character, number one, and what hinders character, number two, okay? Number one, what is character? You need to understand this. It's hard to describe character. But I want to give you a few words that would describe When we say Christian character We say character What are we talking about? Number one Character is self-discipline 
Character is self-discipline. Let me give you a definition for self-discipline. This isn't in the dictionary. It's just one I, I came up with or heard throughout the years. But here's a, a, a definition for the word of self, self-discipline. i got to get some self-discipline to be able to say the word. You know? Self-discipline is this. Making yourself do what you should do when you should do it. And here's the key. Whether you feel like it or not. That's what self-discipline is. And when you develop self-discipline in your life, you begin to develop character in your life. The most successful... You understand this, okay? Successful people and failures in life both don't like to do the same things. Do you understand that? Both don't like to work. Both don't like to get up early in the morning. Both don't like to read. Both don't like to work hard. Both don't like to save. The difference between a successful person and a failure is that a successful person will make themselves do what they need to do when they need to do it, whether they feel like it or not. And a failure will do what they feel like doing. See, Jesus is a perfect example of someone with self-discipline. And by the way, Jesus is a perfect example of everything. But look at Matthew 26, look at verse 36. Here we find Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane before he is to die. And as he's praying, I want you to notice what Jesus says. Matthew 26, look at verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Okay, this was not a fun time for Jesus. He was sorrowful, make note of these words, sorrowful and very heavy. He was upset. He was sad. He was not, you understand, Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen to him and was not looking forward to it. Look at verse 38. Then saith he unto them, this is what Jesus said to his disciples, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh my Father. Now I want you to notice what Jesus prays. Jesus is getting ready to die on the cross. Do you understand that? He's getting ready to die on the cross to purchase our salvation, to pay for our sins. And this is the prayer that Jesus says before he goes to the cross. He says, Oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, the analogy there of the cup is an analogy he used throughout his life. And the cup there, he's using the illustration that what he has to go through is the cup. He's, 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 there's this cup, I've got to drink from this cup. And he's talking about the fact that he's got to die. Now, please understand what Jesus just said. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Here's what Jesus is saying. God, I don't want to die on the cross. I mean, did you catch that? Saying, God, Father, I don't want to be arrested. I don't want to be lied about. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to be buffeted. I don't want to go to hell for three days and three nights. I don't want to have to go through this. If it's possible for us to do this without me having to drink of this cup, he said, please, I don't want to do it. Here's the difference between a successful person and a failure. Nevertheless, Not as I will, but as thou wilt. See, Jesus understood that he needed to make himself do what he needed to do, when he needed to do it, whether he felt like doing it or not. 
Look at verse 39. I'm sorry, verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye, what, could ye not watch with me an hour? And we read through the passage there. I mean, he said, look, I could, he could have called 12 legions of angels, but he chose not to. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ was a perfect example of self-discipline. Look, if there was any time to not fulfill your duty, don't you think it'd be this time? I mean, he knows he's going to be just completely tormented and tortured. And he says, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And you need to understand, you say, what is character? Pastor Mads, I heard you say, you're going to give us lessons on character. What is character? Character is self-discipline. Character and self-discipline is making yourself do what you should do, when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. And by the way, this is the reason that some people read their Bibles every day, and this is the reason that some people don't read their Bible. This is the reason some people get up early to pray every day, and this is the reason some people are, uh, you know, sleep all day. This is the reason some people are on time and prop. This is the reason some people are always late. Everything in your life that you have failed at comes back to this one concept, a lack of character, a lack of making yourself do the things that you need to do when you need to do them, whether you feel like it or not. That is character. Not only is character self-discipline, but character is also self-denial. Look at verse 41. Matthew 26, verse 41. Here you have Jesus giving you the perfect example of self-discipline. I don't want to do this, but I need to do it. I need to do it right now, and I'm going to make myself do it whether I like it or not. And then on the other side, you have the disciples giving you the exact greatest example of someone that has no self-discipline. Look at verse 41. He, He says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, I'm sorry, look at verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? I mean, he goes to his life, he says, Can you guys pray with me an hour? Yes, Jesus, we'll pray with you now. Okay, I'm going to go pray over here. He starts praying, God, I don't want to do this. If, if there's any way I can get out of this, please let me, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. But let your will be done. He goes to his disciples, they're asleep. I mean, the exact opposite of self-discipline. What, what were they supposed to be doing? Praying. But I didn't feel like it, I was tired, Okay. Failure. And by the way, that's why in this passage we see them, we see Peter deny Christ. Why? Because of lack of character. But you got to understand this. Character is not only self-discipline, character is self-denial. Look at verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Here's the problem. The spirit indeed is willing. Look, your spirit, your new man wants to read the Bible every day. Your new man wants to get up and pray for an hour. Your spirit, your spiritual man wants to tithe, wants to give offerings, wants to do right, wants to have integrity, wants to live righteously. The problem is that your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. That's the problem. And character is not only disciplining yourself to do that which you should do, when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. Character is also self-denial and denying yourself of the things that your flesh wants to do. you got to understand this. Your flesh wants to destroy your life. Your flesh wants to destroy your finances, wants to destroy your health, wants to destroy your marriage. It wants to destroy you. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Look at verse 24. When Jesus called the disciples, think about the word disciple. You say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Think about the word disciple. Disciplined. What's a disciple? Someone who's disciplined. Someone who has character? 
When Jesus called his disciples, notice what he said in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, notice what he says. If any man will come after me, he says, if anybody's going to follow me, if anybody's going to be my disciple, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You've got to understand this. If you're going to be a Christian of character, and by the way, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to have to develop character. If you're going to be a Christian of character, you're going to have to learn self-denial. You're going to have to learn to deny yourself. Go to Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter 2. I know we've seen these verses before, but it's always good for you to see them again. Galatians chapter 2. Paul said this. Paul was a man of character. Paul was a man of self-discipline. Paul was a man of self-denial. And Paul said this. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. He said, nevertheless I live. He said, I'm dead. I'm, 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 I'm dead with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I have crucified my old man. He said, I have killed my old man. My old man. He said, I have denied my flesh. And he said, anything that I do in my life now, it's not really me doing it, but it's Christ living through me. How can you get to that place? You get to the place where you're walking in the Spirit, where you're allowing God to move through your life, but you've got to learn to deny yourself, deny your flesh, deny... Because it always comes down to this. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 31. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Tonight I'm giving you an overview on the subject of character. And the following lessons will teach you how to develop character in your life. We're going to be looking at things like character and work ethic. Character and habits. Character and and time management. But you need to understand what is character. Character is self-discipline. Character is self-denial. Character is, uh, where are you? 1 Corinthians 15.31? Look what what Paul said. I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice what Paul says. I die. Now this is a key word right here. Daily. Pastor, I I had a great day in the Lord today. I got up. I read my Bible. I prayed. I came to church. I sang songs. I I, I didn't watch that football game. I came back to church on Sunday. I had a great day in the Lord. But you know what? Tomorrow you're going to have to get up and make the choice to die to yourself again. And you're going to have to do it again on Tuesday, and again on Wednesday, and again on Thursday. It'd be great if you could make one decision to say, okay, I'm going to be a man of character from now on. And it just lasts the rest of your life. But it doesn't doesn't happen like that. You have to make that decision every day. Sometimes you have to make it multiple times a day. Amen. You need to make the decision to be self-disciplined. To deny yourself. Paul said, I die daily. He said, every day I take my old man, I hang him on the cross, and I say, you're dead. You're not in control today. You're not going to run the show today. The Spirit's going to run the show. And by the way, that's why Paul was one of the most successful men in the Bible. Right. Most successful ministries, most successful missionary, a great, great man. Why? Because he learned to deny himself. You say, Pastor, what is character? It's self-discipline. It's making yourself do what you should not do, what you should do, when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. It is denying your flesh. It is making your flesh do what you want it to do, not allowing the flesh to run the show. Go to Titus chapter number two. Titus chapter two. Look at verse number eleven. Titus chapter number 2. 
You find all those C books, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. Titus chapter number 2. Look at verse number 11. Titus chapter number 2. Verse 11. Titus 2.11, the Bible says, For the grace of God bringeth salvation. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. What does salvation teach us? Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Denying ungodliness. I'm just here to, you say, I thought you were going to come. I was going to come to church. You said that you were going to teach us about being successful faithful. Look, I'm not here to give you a get-quick-rich scheme, okay? I thought you were going to, you know, tell me to, 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 to say these prayers and, and do this and it was going to be okay. No, look, success is hard. Success is difficult. If you're going to be successful in life, it's not going to be easy. But you got to, you say, well, how do I do it? Discipline yourself. Deny yourself. Number three, character is self-control. You're there in Titus, right? Look at verse number 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 2. I want you to notice this word. Titus 2, 2 says, That the aged men be sober, grave, make note of this word, temperate. Temperate. Sound in faith and charity and patience. The Bible says that we ought to be temperate. We say, what does the word temperate mean? It means showing moderation or self-restraint. The word temperate means this, self-control. You say, what is character? Character is self-discipline. Character is self-denial. Character is self-control. That's what the word temperate means. Go to Titus chapter 1. Look at verse 7. Titus chapter 1, verse 7. Titus 1, 7. The Bible says, for a bishop, that's a pastor, must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, self-controlled, temperate. And by the way, a bunch of other reasons there is why you're not qualified to be a pastor. <laughs> Galatians 5, look at verse 22. Galatians 5.22, you say, well, is the pastor supposed to be self, uh, self-controlled? The pastor supposed to be self-controlled. But then Paul tells Timothy, he says, be thou an example of the believer. And he doesn't say, be thou an example to the believer. He says, be thou an example of the believer. He said, those are qualifications for a pastor. Yeah, a pastor is supposed to meet those qualifications. So then you know how you're supposed to live. They're not the qualifications of a pastor. They're the qualifications of a Christian. And a pastor is supposed to be an example, not to the believer, but of a believer. Do you understand that? Titus chapter 1, look at verse 7. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. So anytime you say, well, I don't think the pastor should say those words, then you should say those words. Well, I think the pastor should be at soul winning, then you should be at soul winning. Well, I don't think pastors, look, how many of you think pastors should skip Wednesday night to go, you know... Watch a football game. Well, I don't think the pastor should do that. Then you shouldn't do it either. Because I'm not to be an example to the believer. I'm to be an example of the believer. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Notice this word, temperance. Against such there is no law. Look, you don't need anybody to tell you what to do when you have self-control. You can tell yourself what to do. It says, against such there is no law. I, look, when you are in self-control, the God doesn't have to tell you what to do. You tell yourself what to do. The problem with our society is there's a lot of people that do not control themselves because they have a lack of character. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Peter is an interesting passage because he's telling you, you know, how you're going to continue to grow in your Christian life. 2 Peter 1, 5 says... And besides this, 
giving all diligence. The word diligence means hard work. He says, this is going to be hard work. Peter says, what I'm about to tell you is going to be a lot of work. But you've got to do it. So what do I got to do, Peter? Well, you need to add to your faith. Okay? Because how do you begin the Christian life? Faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Right? How do you get saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So we all start with faith. You can't be a Christian without faith. But he says, okay, the rest of it though is going to be, it's going to take some diligence. It's going to take some work. He's like, because you start with faith, but then you add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, look what it says, temperance. Self-control. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, God. I'm just going to tell you, self-control is one of the things you're going to have to do if you're going to grow in your Christian life. Go to Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs in the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 25. Right after the book of Psalms. If you open your Bible, smack down in the middle, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25. I, and I, I hope you understand this. I am not preaching this sermon, and I'm not preaching this series to beat you up. I'm preaching this series to try to help you and to realize that every time we fail in life at anything... And by the way, it's all of us. It's me. I need to work on developing character. But every time we fail at something, it will be because of a lack of self-discipline, self-denial, self-control. It's because of a lack of character. Are you there in Proverbs 25? Look at verse 28. Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit... This is somebody who is not in control of his own spirit. He's not in control, so he is out of control. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now in these days, the walls was their protection. And he says, look, someone that can't control their own spirit, they're just, they're just sitting, they're like a, they're like, they're, they're like a sitting duck. They, they can't, if you can't control yourself, how can you control the things around you? Someone said it like this, the greatest battle you will ever win is the battle of yourself. You must conquer yourself. Look, you say, I I need to work on my marriage. You must conquer yourself before you can conquer your marriage. You must conquer yourself before you can conquer your finances. You must conquer yourself before you can conquer any other thing. Because look, you are the only person you can control. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Go to Proverbs 16, look at verse 32. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Proverbs 16, verse number 32. Proverbs 16, verse 32. The Bible says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit, this is someone that has self-control, than he that taketh the city. See, you must have self-control if you're going to be successful in life. So understand this. From here on, through the series on character and any time, whenever you hear Pastor Jimenez say the word character, you say, what do you mean? I'm talking about self-discipline, self-denial, self-control. That's what the word character means. It means that you are in control, not your flesh, not your emotions. So well, I'm just hot-headed. Get control over that. I just, you know, things happen and you get control over that. You deny yourself. You discipline yourself. You get yourself to where you are running the show. And you running the show means you put your flesh to death. And really it's Christ running the show and it's Christ living through you. 
So we said, number one, what is character? Character is self-denial, self-discipline, self-control. Number two, there's only two points to the sermon. We're almost done. Well, we're not almost done. We're halfway done. How about that? Number two, I want to explain to you what hinders character. We're going to get into a lot of practical things in the next few weeks. We're going to talk about, like I said, habits, work ethic, organization, time management. We're going to get into a lot of practical things. But before we start, you need to understand this. What is character and what will hinder character? Because it doesn't matter how much we teach you on the subject of character. If you do not take care of the things that hinder character, you will never, listen to me, you will never, ever, ever develop character in your life. And what hinders character? Go to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Look at verse 16. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Luke 14, verse 16. What hinders character? Luke chapter 14, verse 16. The Bible says, here we find a parable. Luke 14, 16 says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Now look at verse 18. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. Do you see that? Say, Pastor Jimenez, what hinders character? What hinders the development of character? Number one, what hinders character is making excuses. Making excuses will hinder character in your life. Now notice what happens here. Look at verse 18. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have bought a fi- uh, five uh, yoke of oxen, and go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servants came and showed his Lord these things, and the master of the house, being angry... Okay, did he accept the excuses? By the way, the master of the house is God. Did he accept the excuses? So well, those sound like very good excuses to me. I mean, the guy just got married. But he didn't accept it. And being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring hither the poor, and the maimed, and the hall, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. And by the way, this is a great parable on soul winning. Verse 24, For I say unto you, that, notice what he says about those that gave an excuse, None of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Say, well, why didn't he wait for them? I'm here to tell you, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to make you... God has no patience for excuses. Go to Luke chapter number 9. You say, well, Pastor Jimenez, you don't understand. I have a pretty good excuse. God has no patience for bad excuses. God has no patience for good excuses. Let me prove it to you. Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. He says, I want to follow you. Verse 58, Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nets, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, please catch this, okay? Verse 57, the guy says, I want to follow you, Jesus. Verse 58, Jesus says, Okay, but let me warn you. I don't even know where I'm going to stay tonight. Okay, verse 59, we don't hear from this guy again. I just just want you to see that. Look at verse 59. And he said unto another, 
So, that, so he says, I want to follow you. Okay, well, it may get rough. I don't even know where I'm going to sleep tonight. Uh, maybe I'll go do something else. You know what that is? Lack of character. Look at verse 59. And he said unto another, follow me. I want you to notice this, okay? Think about this opportunity. Just think about, just in the magnitude of time. Imagine if you were this individual. And Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the creator of the universe, walked up to you. See, the first guy said, I want to follow you. And he's like, well, you can come along, but it may be hard. And he's like, I'm not signing everything. But this one's different. This one, Jesus goes to an individual. I mean, can you just put yourself in the story? Imagine if this was you. Jesus Christ goes to this person and he says, follow me. I mean, what an opportunity. Notice what the man says, though. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. Now, look, I I used to read this passage when I was a kid. I used to read this, you know, and I thought to myself, man, Jesus is mean. Because look what he says, verse 60. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. I used to think, man, Jesus. I mean, obviously the guy is dad died recently if they haven't even buried him yet. You understand that? Obviously the guy is grieving. He doesn't say, I don't want to go. Jesus said, follow me. And he says, okay, just let me quickly just go bury my father. And Jesus just says, I don't have time for this. Let the dead bury the dead. Now you say, well, what, what's the problem? Here's what you got to understand, okay? I don't know about you, but to me, that's a pretty good excuse. I mean, is it not? Would you not agree? I mean, if the guy's not saying, like, oh, I want to take a nap, or, oh, I'm watching the game. I mean, he's like, look, just let me bury my dad. I mean, to me, if you could find a, a, I, I don't think you could find a better excuse for not following Christ than that. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, though. Even if you have a good excuse, the guy still did not follow Christ. You understand that? The guy still did not. This guy could have been Peter. This guy could have been John. This guy could have been James. This guy could have been one of the twelve. I mean, we would have had thirteen disciples. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus kept saying, follow me. And he had a good excuse. I mean, this was a valid reason. I mean, anybody would say, wow, I mean, Jesus, please, won't you just wait a little bit? And Jesus said, I am not willing to uh, wait on an excuse. He said, let the dead bury the dead. He said, you come and do what I told you to do. And here's what I'm going to tell you. The guy didn't follow, and he still messed out. I'm here to tell you, look, I'm not minimizing what you've gone through. Some of you have gone through things that I would not pray that anybody would go through. You may have gone through horror horrific things in your life and you may say, well I have a pretty good excuse for being a failure but at the end of the day, you're still a failure. You understand that? Well, I have a pretty good excuse but you're as much of a failure as as a guy that didn't have a good excuse. See, what you're going to have to do if you're going to be successful in the Christian life is to just realize, excuses are not an option. Whether they're good or not. Whether they're valid or not. This was a pretty valid excuse. And Jesus said, I don't have time for it. Look at verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. This guy says, I don't even, he says, let me just say that. Notice what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus had no patience for excuses. Somebody said it like this. There are many excuses for failure, but never a good reason. You may have a good excuse for failure, but failure is still failure, whether it's a good excuse or not. 
And here's the thing. You're going to have to come to a place where you either decide, I'm going to stop giving excuses, whether they're good, whether they're valid, whether, they're, whether anybody would agree with me, whether anybody would feel sorry for me. You need to decide, am I going to be the guy that fails but had a good excuse for it? Or am I just going to say, no more excuses. I'm going to develop character in my life. I'm going to succeed in my life. I'm going to become what God wants me to be. You say, what will hinder character? Number one, excuses. Go to Numbers chapter 11. Look at verse 1. We're going to look at two more passages. We're done. Numbers chapter 11. Look at verse 1. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Numbers 11, verse 1. What will hinder character? Number one, excuses. Number two, what will hinder character? Complaining. Complaining will hinder character. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. I, I'm not, I could take a whole sermon on the subject of complaining. In fact, I have. I'm just, I just want to show you one verse and we'll move on. But I want you to see this. And when the people complained, look what the Bible says, it displeased the Lord. God does not like complainers. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. You've got to understand this. When I complain about my situations, when I complain about the things around me, when I complain, look, I, I, I'm here to tell you, I'm really, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to help you in your life. But I, I'm here to tell you, p- pity parties are fun. They are fun. You may not want to admit it, but pity parties, man, they are, they are a blast. There, you know, throw yourself when it's fun. This happened to me, and that happened to me. Look, it's fun. Blame others for all the things I've been accomplished in life. I'm not, and I'm not mocking you. I'm telling you, they are fun. Look, I, I'm saying, Pastor Roger Maddox likes to throw himself pity parties. And so do you. If you were acting so spiritual, you'd admit it too. <laughs> pity parties are a blast. You don't have to invite anybody. You can do it all on your own. But here's the thing. When you complain about your situation, and you throw yourself a pity party, long as it takes, could be 10 minutes, could be 10 hours, could be 10 years. When you're done with your pity party, what has changed? Answer is nothing. But you don't understand. I'm just here to tell you. But I have a valid, I know you do. But you don't understand. I hate for anybody to go through that. But at the end of the day, nothing has changed. Nothing has happened. A pity party is a waste of time. You're going to have to face reality and realize. No excuse. Somebody said it like this. Never explain, never complain. You must take responsibility for yourself. You must tell yourself, I am responsible. When things go wrong, just tell yourself, I am responsible. When things don't go your way, I am responsible. Listen, even if everything that happens around you had nothing to do with you, you are at the very least responsible for your reaction. And you must take control of yourself. Look, pity parties are fun, but you must discipline yourself to not throw yourself a pity party. Complaining is fun, but you must self-control and discipline yourself to not complain. Giving excuses is fun, but you must control yourself to say, I'm not going to give an excuse. Look, I'm preaching to myself. I'm like, when things go wrong and things fall apart, when it rains, it looks like, I mean, it just pours. You know what I mean? And I have, to, I have to discipline myself to say, look, things aren't going the way I need to, but I just need to get this done. I need to do this. This is how it's going to be. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm just going to get it done. And that will allow you 
to develop character in your life. Go to Hebrews chapter number 12. Look at verse 2. Hebrews chapter number 12. Actually, look at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. The things that hinder character are excuses, complaining. Let me give you, I, I think I told you I was going to show you one more verse. Let me, let me show you a few more. I apologize. I forgot I had something else I wanted to show you here. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. You already missed the football game anyway, so. Hopefully by the time we get out of here, somebody will tell me that the 49ers lost, but that'll be nice. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 2. Like, look at verse 1. Hebrews 12, look at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay? You say, and, and I want you to notice verse 2, okay? What hinders character? Number one, excuses. Number two, complaint. But here's the last thing that hinders character. Short-term vision. Short-term vision. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him, look what it says, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now we started the sermon with showing you that Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Do you remember that? He said, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, thy will be done. Okay? Jesus did not want to go to the cross. But he did go to the cross. And here's why he did it. Verse 2. Look at it again. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want you to see this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Look, he did not want to go to the cross. But he endured it for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The one thing, or the third thing, I'm sorry, that will hinder character is this, short-term vision. People, you know, I, I hear people say this all the time. They'll say, live in the moment. Living in the moment is the worst thing you could do in your life. Living in the moment is reason, you know, that's why women end up pregnant out of wedlock. Living in the moment is the reason you are in debt. <laughs> Living in the moment is the worst thing you could do. Jesus did not live in the moment. You know why? Because if he would have lived in the moment at the Garden of Gethsemane, he would have said, I'm not doing this. Jesus lived his life not with a short-term vision, but with a long-term vision. He said, I don't want to go to the cross. He said, I don't want to endure this. He said, this is going to be horrible. I don't want to do it. But he looked ahead and, and saw you and saw me and saw those that were sick. And he said, I'm going to discipline myself to do this because the goal is greater than the affliction that I'll have right now. And that same principle will get you to save money. That same principle. See, we, we have an instant gratification society. I want it. I want it now. I, want, I don't want to have to wait. I want to go through a drive through I want to put it in the microwave. I want it now. But if you live your life with a long-term vision, I, I want to spend this money, but I'm not going to because in the future I'll be financially secure. When you live with a short, with, with a long-term vision, I don't want to get up right now, but if I read what I need to read today, and I read what I need to read tomorrow, I'll read the Bible cover to cover, and that's something that's going to benefit my life. When you live with a long-term view, you'll be more successful in life. But living in the moment will be one thing that delays gratification. This is why people commit adultery. 
If someone who's tempted with adultery would look at the future and realize, wow, this is going to affect my children. Wow, this is going to affect my marriage. Wow, this is going to affect... Look, everything in life goes back to these things. A lack of character. Abusive, complaining, short-term. Go to Luke chapter 15. This, is, this really is the last passage I'm going to have you look at. Luke 15. Luke 15 and look at verse... I'm not going to take the time to develop it, but you can study it out on your own. But here you find the story of the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son? He left home, he took his father's riches and spent them on harlots and partying. And I want you to understand this, okay? We, the whole sermon tonight was just two points. What is character? Self-discipline. Self-denial. Self-control. What hinders character? Excuses, complaining, and short-term vision. But I want to just answer this question. Who is ready for a series on character? Who is ready to take this in? And you've got to understand this, okay? You're going to have to get to this place in your life. And if you're not there, I want you to keep coming. I want you to come Sunday nights. I want you to learn. But this series is not really for you if you don't get to the place that the prodigal son got. Look at verse number 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? He was having fun, he was partying, he ran out of money, and when he ran out of money, he ran out of friends. When he ran out of friends, he didn't have anybody to help him. He is now, you know, working, feeding pigs. And I love how the King James Bible puts it, it says, and when he came to himself. We all have to come to the place where we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when you get to that place, you say, now, now, we all like to say, I'm at that place, I'm at that place. But here's how you prove if you're at that place. You get up and you do something about it. See, he said, what am I doing? And he got up and went back home to his dad. And when you get, you know, I don't know what it is that you're struggling in life. I don't know what it is that you, maybe it's your time management. Maybe it's getting up in the morning. Maybe it's praying. Maybe it's reading your Bible. Maybe it's being more consistent at, uh, at, at work. Maybe it's being a harder worker. Maybe it's money. Whatever it is, you're going to have to get to the place where you just say, this is it. I am done. I'm making a change. I'm doing something differently. If you're not at that place, this series will not help you. Because I can't magically develop character in your life. It's hard work to discipline yourself and deny yourself and control yourself. It's hard work to not make excuses and not complain and quit throwing a pity party for yourself. It's hard to live with the mentality of the future and not live in the moment of today. It's hard work. And unless you're at the place where you say, I am so sick and tired of how this area of my life is, you will not make a change. But if you are there, if you are ready, to make a difference in your life. Let me give you your next step. So what do I do? Number one, commit to be here every Sunday night in the series of character. Now look, coming to church on Sunday night is an exercise of character in and of itself. Hey, Pastor Matt, sometimes, you know, I get home and I, I take that nap and I don't want to come to church. Guess what? Neither do I. <laughs> but I make myself come. That's character. Well, you got to preach. i got to be an example for you. Making yourself do the things you don't like to do will exercise your character. Commit to being here on Sunday night every, uh, during the season of character. That will be a good exercise in character. Number two, what, this is what you need to start doing immediately. If you're going to make a change in your life, you're going to develop character in your life, you must immediately, today, starting right now, make a decision to stop making excuses, stop feeling sorry for yourself, stop living in the moment, and decide that you are going to make a change with the help of God and the Holy Spirit. 
you must, you just gotta get, you gotta get. And if you're not there, all that means is you have not came to yourself yet. That's okay. We'll wait too. Well, God's gotta humble you more. That's fine. We'll wait. Then you need more time at the pig pen? We, we'll love you. But if you're not there yet, you're not gonna make a change. It's the truth. Next week, we're gonna be looking at the subject of habits. Habits. Breaking bad habits, developing good habits. If you struggle with an addiction, you struggle with drugs, alcohol, pornography, uh, gambling, laziness, whatever it is, it all goes back to this, a lack of character. The Bible talks a lot about developing habits, good habits, breaking bad habits. We'll look at that next week. But here's the thing. It's not going to do you any good if you're not here. So make sure you're here. Make sure you're developing character. And here's the thing. You've got to start putting these things in your life. So well, you don't understand what I've been through. I know. It's really bad. I know. You've got a good excuse. But at the end of the day... It doesn't do anything to help you. All right, then I have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be able to learn this subject of character. I know that character. I know that self-discipline. I know that self-control. I know that these are not exciting sermons. I know these are not fun sermons. I know that people just don't get excited about it. But Father, if we are going to accomplish anything for Christ... Character is what we'll do it. Character is why we don't get up in the morning. Character is why we don't go soul winning. Character is why we skip church. Character is why we fail in whatever areas of life we're failing. It's because of character. And Father, I want so much to help everyone to develop character. And we all need it. We all need it. I pray you'd help us to make decisions. Lord, help me to stop complaining. Stop making excuses. Help me to stop living in the moment. Help me to develop character in my life. Father, we love you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen.